Well, welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Today, we'll be talking about church security. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at FTA Protect to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering in promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the ConcealedCarry.com business directory. Did you know that you can get a free listing for your instruction business on ConcealedCarry.com? Visit biz.concealedcarry.com and add your business for free. It will be searchable online and to potential students who use the ConcealedCarry.com mobile app. Claim your listing today. Today, we are joined by Chris Maloney from Sheepdog Church Security. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I'm a longtime listener of your podcast, and so I'm really honored to have you on my podcast. But for those listeners out there that aren't familiar with Chris Maloney and Sheepdog Church Security, can you give us all a little bit of your background and what you do? Yeah, so... Um I actually uh, started working um, or started my very own uh, volunteer safety ministry or security team um, at, a, at my church about 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, there was absolutely nothing, nothing at all online about church security. So one of the things that I had to do was kind of, you know, my own research and start establishing all that. And as time has gone by, I started to teach other churches, and and since then, you know, time flies, right? And we just really started developing an online presence where we could provide this training at, to, at a national level. And I would say since we really started getting um, rolling, we've actually helped thousands of churches have gone through our training all around the nation. and um, And so it's really been you know, that's what we do. We provide that training and we provide resources to churches that want to train their teams on their own to kind of help them take what I'm going to talk normal people, if you will, people that are unfamiliar, not otherwise trained in security and defense and give them that base knowledge that they can start building on. Um, As far as prior to that, I spent 21 years in the military. Um, I'm retired now. Uh, 18 years in law enforcement. I'm done with that too. I retired from that. And uh, now I'm just sitting at home taking that knowledge, that experience, and just uh, applying it to the houses of worship. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's really good because I think as as firearm instructors, most of us, if we haven't been asked already by somebody about, you know, what are our thoughts on church security, which seems to always pop up um, a couple times a year when there's been some shooting or some incident at a church. Uh, I think it's really good for instructors out there to understand what resources are available because, um, you know, church security isn't just about having a, a few people walk around with guns. It's a whole, it's a lot broader and listening to your podcast as well as going to your website. Uh, it definitely, it definitely reinforces those thoughts. What are some of the areas uh, specifically do you cover in your training? Yeah. So, you know, just like you were saying, a lot of people will come into, um, you know, into the security team or safety team because they have their first number one concern is the active shooter right? And they want to make sure that their people are trained beyond the permit to carry, 
They want them getting those fundamentals down, training to shoot tactically, tactically and all that good stuff. And that's really you and your guys. You know, I, I don't provide that kind of training. Mm-hmm. But what I want to do is I want to take them, you know, and say, yes, do that. That's extremely important. But I want you to look at the whole picture. I want you to have a more comprehensive view of what church security is all about. And so I'm sure you and your audience has heard like just one thing is kids and people being sexually molested in churches. That's something that we need to put on our radar. Now, while we might want to shoot these offenders, we need better training than that. We need more. We need to be able to spot victims. We need to know what proper procedures we might need in the church in order to defend those kids and hopefully stop it before it even occurs or, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So we want to be looking at that. We want to look at some of the more obvious things, right? We want to look at fire evacuation. You'd be surprised in a lot of states, other than the building itself, churches are exempt from fire code. And so while businesses, if they have so many employees, have to have an evacuation plan, churches don't have to. So guess what? A lot of churches don't have them. So we have to have fire evacuations plans. Mm -hmm. We need to get them thinking about severe weather. We need to get them thinking about lesser uses of force. And so, yes, a gun for active shooter is you're going to be your solution most of the time. But sometimes lesser uses of force are going to be necessary. Imagine the domestic that's mm-hmm. physical only. Imagine mental illness. And, you know, all those kind of things are going to require. So we want to make sure that we're training in those lesser uses of force. Verbal de-escalation is a perfect one. We're hearing a lot about it in the news and media and and how important it is for law enforcement to use de-escalation. Well, we need to use that too. So we cover verbal de-escalation. And I, you know, and, and so what it really comes down to is we end up with like seven different sub courses to our certification course so that when people go through that training, um, active shoot, of course, is one of them, but they're sh- thinking beyond that. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking about, uh, you got to have a comprehensive view or you're missing too much. And there's too many bad things that can- do happen at churches, um, sometimes from within and mm-hmm. sometimes without. And we have to be prepared. Yeah, I'm, I'm just as you go through those scenarios and such, I can think of the white settlement shooting that I think everybody's probably heard about this year. Um, but other than that, um, most of the other stuff I've thought thought about that I've seen in the news, at least, have been church fires. They've been, um, you know, domestic pro- you know problems that have happened and such, which just underscores the whole attitude that yeah, so firearm is the way you take care of an active shooter, but you probably are a thousand times more likely to go along and have you know a child break a leg or an elderly person break a hip, or as you said, you know, you've got some kind of uh, sexual abuse going on or domestic violence to where you've got to be able to properly apply the proper amount of uh, restraint or uh, to the situation, not to put yourself and also the church into a liability situation there. And I think a lot of times people don't think about that. Yeah, I mean, li- liability is a big thing. And if if we're if the team is nothing more than I have gun will travel, then there really is a risk that as an individual or and or the church itself could be sued. Or I mean, let's let's be honest. Let, let's just throw liability out for just one second. How about just somebody actually being hurt on on church property while you're working there? 
And you know you could have done something to prevent that. Now, I'm not just talking about that sexual abuse, which is pretty horrifying, but just someone else getting hurt. So we have to think beyond beyond that. You know, I think about basic crime prevention stuff. You know, not too long ago in town, a bunch of somebody went through a bunch of unlocked cars and got all kinds of change and cell phone chargers stolen out of their car. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm sitting there, lock your car door, and you wouldn't have been a victim that night. But churches are a lot like those people that got their cars broken into. They're almost blinded to those basic risks, those basic threats. And part of what I do is trying to wake people up and just say, Mm -hmm. hey, this can happen to you. You know, with the vandalisms that you're talking about and the arsons, that's actually been spiking. And so we won't know the statistics for this year, for the FBI statistics for probably two years. But I can tell you anecdotally, this huge spike tells me that much more is coming. Well, when I started church security, it was basically only large churches that had professional security. It is starting to spread. And mm-hmm. so your audience that's doing firearms instruction, I would keep an eye towards churches because the demand is going to increase. And I think we're just, you know, you, you probably know the deadly force incidents, right? Two, one, uh, 1999 to 2008, the deadly force incidents in churches were just kind of steadily climbing. And that was disturbing in and of itself because around the country, those kind of incidents were kind of leveling off and even going down in somewhere. Um, so that's bad enough. But in about 2009 to 2017, it's just like a fish hook. It's just the, it's just going way up. In fact, 2017 was our most deadly year in churches. And, um, and even if you subtract the 26 people that get killed in Sutherland Springs, it was still the deadliest year in churches. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, your audience, your firearms instructors, people are going to start knocking on your door. Yep. And, and the, to be properly, to be the properly trained instructor, we not only want to go along and have uh, you know, firearm, but we also want to make sure, you know, we get the first aid we've got, um, you know, we've got a proper plan in place because um, not all of us may, may have all these areas of training already underneath our belt, but we really need to get it underneath our belt in order to properly uh, consult and help these churches because, like you said, the big mega churches, they've probably got plenty of people that can easily go and, you know, help them write this. But the Southern Springs, you know, small church, if they come to you, you're going to be able to go along and tell them, you know, six or seven areas that they need to work on besides, you know, a fire, uh, firearms training. And those, those, are, those are the pieces that are really uh, challenging. Yeah, and I, I think that's why we always, you know, I at least in my position, I imagine a lot of your audience would agree with this, is you constantly have to be looking to expand your understanding of things. And, and especially when you're talking about firearms instruction, you're really in, your, in the realm or in the mindset of self-defense, you know, and you start poking into that, it really does kind of expand your view And that only serves your customers even better, right? So when you're giving the, you know, you know, some of those people in your permit to carry or concealed carry class or whatever you call it in your state, they're there because they're thinking home defense. They're thinking personal defense. And you want to give them answers beyond bang, bang, you shot the bad guy. Mm -hmm. You got to give them other tools, other mechanisms. And churches are no different. They need 
they need that they need to be thinking about all kinds of stuff, not just the one. Well, we've got to you know, think about in today's society with police being uh, attacked just for the tactics they're using. Think of it was in a, in a house of uh, worship, which, I mean, let's face it, a lot, house of worship attracts people that, you know, have, you know, broken spirits and such because they're coming there for help. Now, whether they actually open up and they receive the help they need is up to them, but they could also go the other way. So it's not that you can even exclude them because the church needs to be welcoming to that, but you have to be aware of what the, some of those uh, pre-attack indicators uh, would be, or those things that, that are outside the norm so that maybe you do something to, you know, separate them from, you know, being too close to everybody else where things could get ugly very quickly. Right. One of the things that um, I believe in is taking a page out of the public school system where they actually have um, threat assessment teams. And you're actually talking about people that are at higher risk in the congregation, either because of addiction or maybe there's some domestic problems or maybe it's financial or they're struggling. And what we do, of course, in the church is we want to make sure that we're not just watching them. Instead, we're actually trying to help them. And by Mm -hmm. helping them, you eliminate or you start to help with the problem that could cause them to go down a a road of violence. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you don't know churches open their doors. They, you know, on every Sunday or Saturday or whatever day of the week it is, they post their hours on signs out at the street and they invite everybody to come in and you often don't know who's coming in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes too, even if it's somebody you've known for a long time, how well do you really know them? That's well, and, to, and, and today's problems, when you think about it, you've got, you know, 2020, we're dealing with a pandemic. You've got people that have lost their jobs. So that could definitely impact them financially. But then also, you know, they could just be depressed because they lost a job, haven't been able to find one because companies aren't hiring. You could also go along and, you know, that could creep into marital problems. It could, their kids could be having problems. You know, it could, it could be an older couple whose kids are out of work. You know, they graduate college and now they can't find a job. Uh, those types of things, because, you know, we're talking about, you know, them hurting other people, but, you know, we need to offer them help so they don't hurt themselves either. Because, you know, unfortunately, and we've talked about this in the show before also, you know, when it comes to gun owners and, and such, we're very efficient when it comes to suicide, which is a really bad thing to, do, uh, to say. But at the same time, as you said, if they can come into church and they can get the help, we can take and turn them down the right path versus going along and have them go down a, a very dark path. And, you know, either hurting themselves or hurting other people, which obviously we don't want to do. We don't want to see either one of those happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I would like to be a hero just as much as the next guy, but I would like to be the hero in the way of, of, uh, you know, stopping the violence before it even begins. I mean, if we, if somebody's struggling, the church for goodness sake should be intentional about ministering to that person to help them through the challenges they're facing. You know, I think of the Sutherland Springs situation where it was the, um, you know, the, the former brother-in-law or the former boyfriend, I forget if he was married to the whatever, but his grandmother, mother-in-law was there, right? And that was a known risk. They were aware of the, the problems in that relationship. They were aware of some of his behaviors 
And if somebody now, you know, now it's speculation. I get that. But if somebody would have reached out to him, would that maybe not have happened? I don't know. I can't say it won't happen. I just know that an effort to minister to hurting people um, is often going to yield something good instead of something bad. Mm -hmm. Intentional ministry. Yep. Well, that's where mental health is not just a fancy, you know, political uh, statement, but it's one of those things where, you know, quite honestly, the church has been in the business of mental health for a long time. That's true. It's just getting them, getting people to realize that, hey, you know, come to church and, you know, meet, you know, you know, be open to, you know, listening to, you know, what's being said or the people that are trying, trying to help you a little bit. And there's, you know, a lot of resources along those ways, but we also need to be, you know, prepared if you can't reach them. And that's, that's where being, uh, being church security is, is also a big balancing act between, you know, here, let me help you. You know, what can we do for you? At the same time, it's like, if you cross that line, all of a sudden I've got to get very, uh, very tough with you, you know, physical or, and that could be anywhere from, you know, somebody you've known for a long time, it could be, you know, a woman, it could be, you know, a complete stranger, but you've got to realize what that line is. And if they cross it, you know, what, what's the appropriate way of uh, responding? Yeah. And I, I would say most people don't really, we don't naturally know the appropriate way to respond. There mm-hmm. has to be some sort of training component with that. You know, maybe it's your instructors talking to the class. I, you know, I'm assuming there's a use of force component and then there's, you know, probably components about situational awareness and, and indicators and all those kind of things that we really have to be focused in on. And then finding that balance between I'm here to help you, um, but also once you cross this line, I'm going to have to take some level of some some level of action in order to safeguard everybody else here at the church. We won't allow other people to be harmed because you're having a bad day or a mental crisis or whatever. Yep. And also to, you know, security team and such needs to understand, you know, when do they call the experts, you know, and how do, how do they, you know, buy themselves time and, you know, dialing nine on one and how do they do it? Because obviously if you do that in front of somebody who's having a, uh, you know, mental episode may not help the situation and you got to be able to uh, signal the other security team members that may be, uh, you know, they need, you need some backup that time, you know, more, more than just the security team itself. And that's where um, I think it's real, real important topic for the instructors. Yeah. I, I, you know, going on the importance of bringing in law enforcement or the professionals, you know, maybe it's psychologists, whatever it is, Knowing when to do that, you know, it's, it's always best to err on the side of doing it early. You know, if, you know I, I think about a situation, maybe you have a protester, somebody mental ill, jump up in the middle of the services, start screaming and yelling at the pastor. And one of the things that I teach is, you know, it's not like the team rushes in there, grabs them and drags them out by his ankles. Instead, it's creating a safe zone for the congregation and the team, if you will, and then calling 911. You know, mm-hmm. let the cops drag them out by their ankles. You know, we, we were talking before the show, domestic violence situation. If you know John Smith and, and Mary Smith and you see John hit Mary and then John walks out the door, there's no reason to put your hands on John. You know who he is. So you call the police, mm-hmm. it's the medical attention, the reports are made, and the police go pick up John later. And so, you know, it's making sure we have a complete understanding of when to yield to professionals. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. We, you know, we got closed circuit TV, you know, video cameras, all those around most properties these days. And that's where, you know, worry about protecting the people and the congregation and not putting yourself out there unnecessarily um, in harm's way. Because as um, Andrew Bronco, who's been on the podcast before, has said, you know, getting involved with a violent confrontation increases your chances of uh, greater than zero of death and, uh, you know, injury. And the whole point of, you know, you know, being part of the security team is not to go along, come home, you know, injured or not come home at all. It's to go along and just be an extra level of uh, protection for the people that are in church. One of the conversations I've had with my wife and my daughter, uh, both my wife and I carry my daughter's not old enough yet. Um, but we talk about, you know, hey, if we're, you know, we're sitting in this movie theater, and everyone remembers the Batman movie, right? It's like our job if something bad happens is to go out that door right there. And none of us are planning on being a hero. And I, maybe I'm going to be called a coward for this, but you know, I'm not wearing a vest. I'm there with my family. I have no radio to call in dispatch for backup. I don't, I don't have anything. All I have is my gun, my wife and my daughter. And so I'm making a beeline for the door. I might encourage other people to run with us and we're going to get the heck out of there and, you know, so sometimes, you know, avoiding the confrontation is really the best option. And, and some people, I think we instinctively understand that to be true. And if we don't instinctively understand it, we certainly will understand it when the shooting starts, <laughs> our desire to get out of there with our families. And then other people, I think just you know, for the few, um, you know, maybe you are the one to rush in to save the day, just realize that, you know, you're not just taking that risk for on your own. You're taking that risk for your family mm -hmm. and a lot of other people. So, you know, we got to spend a lot of time thinking about that. You know, I, I don't know if your people have read, you know, any of Dave Grossman's books on combat and the mental psyche of it all. Yeah, they've been recommended several times by guests. Yes. Yeah. And you really have to take some time, some soul searching time to really think about what you may or may not do in different scenarios. You know, I mean, if you have them dead to rights and you can take out, take out the Batman shooter um, real fast and it's going to be over and that's probably your safest mo you know, way of dealing with the problem, then by all means, be mm -hmm. prepared mentally to do that. If not, be prepared to get the heck out of there. Yeah. Well, in a situation like that too, and we've been fortunate in the United States not to have this, but what happens when there's more than one shooter? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, seeing that happen over in Europe, you know, at, in, at times, and that's where don't wish it come here, but everything eventually, uh, you know, crosses, uh, the ocean and ends up coming over here. And that those are things that people really need to put in their minds. You know, you could have one guy dead to rights, but if you stand around too long, you know, there could be his buddy that's, that was in the back row that all of a sudden comes up and, and he's got you. And those are all bad situations. Again, we're there and to it, get home explosive. to your family. Yeah. And explosive vests are a thing. Mm -hmm. So you might shoot him and he'll blow up <laughs> and might take you and a lot of people with you, you know? So yes, there are a lot of things to think about and really we could, what if, um, you know, ourselves to death, but at the same time, we do have to do some what ifs, especially when we're talking about what if I'm out with my family and we're mm -hmm. in a restaurant, what's my goal here? What, what is my responsibility here? And for me, maybe this makes me selfish. My wife and my daughter are more important than anybody on the planet. 
And I'm going to take every step it takes to ensure their safety. Now, if I'm there alone, maybe that that changes the formula a little mm-hmm. bit. But yeah. otherwise, nope, we're leaving. Well, in the restaurant, you're going to save them from getting robbed, so you might get a free meal out of it. You know, so keep, <laughs> so you know, keep keep that in mind too um, yeah. with it. And you know, those are all uh, you know things that we, like you said, we've got to determine well in advance. And I know I, uh, you know talk to my students when I'm teaching them, uh, you know, concealed carry the basic course and the advanced courses to really, you know, think about, you know, what is that line that, you know, you're willing to, you know, cross and what's got, what's got to be there for you to do that. Because if you, it's not going to be like movies, you know, to where somebody goes along and, you know, Hey, you know, you make this great shot and boom, everybody is pinning medals on you and they want to slap you on the back. Um, I forget the guy's name from, uh, uh, white settlement, but he just, um, got cleared by the grand jury um nine months after after the shooting and he so basically as good as that shooting was videotaped and everything else like that he was sitting probably on pins and needles for nine months wondering if his life was going to change and the thing is it could have i mean the grand jury would have died him he would have had to put up a lot of legal defense yeah, I mean, think of how fickle people can be and how persuaded they are about popular opinion or media or the news or or whatnot. And you know, you don't you don't know who's going to be on your jury. Mm-hmm. And so you might and maybe you and all your friends, you know, it's not going to be your friends sitting in that jury. It's going to be other people. And in this climate, half of that jury statistically is going to be totally anti-gun. Mm-hmm. Right? Think about that. That's going to be a hard hill to climb to get yourself cleared in, in some situations. And so, yeah. And not only that, how much, so his name is Jack Wilson. How much That's do right. you spend on attorneys? Mm-hmm. Nine months. You know, he spent some, some money on attorneys. Maybe he had, you know, insurance. Maybe he had some sort of legal representation, but that might've cost him some money. Yep. And, you know, that was a clean shoot. I mean, we've seen the video. That was, I mean, that was about as clean as you're going to get. And it cost him time. It cost him money. It cost him stress. It cost his family, you know, that stress. Could you just imagine being around that guy? I mean, not that he's a horrible person putting pressure on him, but you feel for him, you know? Right. And there's nothing you can say all you want, but he's the one that's got to go through it. And until they went along and, you know, returned their, you know, no charges, will be, you know, be filed against him. He had to be sitting there saying, okay, what am I going to do? You know, am I going to cash out my retirement? You know, what, you know, what, you know, my life's on hold for however long. So, yeah. Yeah, Am I going to get, and then afterwards, am I going to get sued? Is this beautiful? All this stuff that I've built over the years, is that all going to end up in somebody else's hands because they didn't, they, they thought I could have done something else. Yeah, I haven't heard if he's uh, liable for civil lawsuits uh, down there or not. Do you know? Do you know by any chance if uh, Texas down there allowed for civil lawsuits, even if he's cleared criminally? Um, I my I guess I don't know a hundred percent, but my okay. guess is yes. Is that anybody can file for a lawsuit against anybody at any time, even unfounded, right? I I suppose theoretically now I could file a lawsuit against you for, you know, not representing me right on the uh, podcast. <laughs> now, would it go anywhere? Probably not, but I could try. And right. that's kind of how the civil court works. Anyone can bring up a civil charge against anybody at any time. And yep. God only knows if it works or not. 
Yeah, we had a situation where there was uh, literally a clean shoot of a, a civilian who saved a uh, Department of Natural Resources officer's life. Um, you know, on the side of side of the road, she was cleared criminally. Uh, of everything, but then was sued for multi-million dollars for, uh, for it. And they had to actually change the law before they, before the lawsuit got dropped. And now in Indiana, you can't be charged for this. You can't be, have a civil lawsuit if you've been cr- uh, cleared criminally. So a wow. l- little bit, but, um, it was one of those things where, as I understand, um, that lady spent several tens of thousands of dollars on legal representation, um, before the law changed. So again, yeah. be prepared to know where your line is overall. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, Chris, um, been asking all our guests this year. Um, what kind of books are you reading for uh, personal enrichment? Well, as a guy who, um, you know, represents uh, the church in safety and security, I do read the Bible on a regular basis, mostly in the morning. Um, and one of the reasons I do that, and I think this still applies to your, your audience, even if they don't read the Bible or care about the Bible, which is fine is is you need something to keep yourself mentally and emotionally stable. And that's something that I get out of the Bible. When I do that regularly, that regular time of reading and praying, it it makes me healthier mentally. And I think when anytime you're putting yourself in a position of working quote unquote security at a church, though I prefer safety team, you're you're putting yourself in a position where where there's an increased risk of something happening, right? A domestic or, you know, something happening, some stressful situation. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not healthy in my head, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm, I might make a mistake. I might do something out of anger. I might do something out of impulse instead of really thinking through it. So that's a big one that I do. I also, because I do run a relatively large web-based business, um, I don't read so much, but I listen to a lot of different podcasts on, you know, on running a business. You know, I I really uh, got most of my education for starting this whole online business from listening to podcasts of other people that were doing similar things. You know, how do you reach out to customers? How do you get customers to get on your email list? You know, how do you communicate with them? And when you're offering a special class or something like that, you want to be able to have those people that you've been talking to and developed relationships with in order to, you know, in order to entice them to that course that they need so desperately. So I listen to a lot of podcasts on business. I mean, I could say their names, you know, Pat, you know, Pat Flynn 2.0 probably means nothing to most people. I also listen to Amy Porterfield. She does a, she has a whole podcast on how to um, create and sell online courses. You can imagine why I listen to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that kind of stuff. I always try to challenge myself in, in some of those areas as far as making sure I'm doing the best I could possibly be doing um, with Sheepdog Church Security. Oh, that's, that's really good. I know a few of our guests have done, um, the Bible previously. And I think, uh, you know, that's very interesting because if you think, if you read something in the Bible, a lot of the stuff that's in the Bible is pretty much the same stuff that we go through today, you know, with, uh, uh, confrontations and doing different things like that. And, uh, you know, like you said, I think it helps keep, keep yourself grounded, figuring out, Hey, it's, I'm not the first person to go through this. Uh, somebody wrote this book, you know, a thousand, two thousand years ago, um, and they're speaking to what I'm 
experiencing right now, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's some good stuff in there and, and the podcasts are always good. Um, the one thing that's really nice about podcasts are there's millions of them and you can find a topic on whatever, you know, whatever's interest you. And that's one of the reasons, you know, that I do this, uh, farm trainers podcast is I want to get out there and help, uh, help, help people. And hopefully I've helped uh, a few of you guys, uh, ladies out there, um, build your business also. Well, Chris, where can instructors find out more about you and the courses that you are putting on? Yeah. So the best place to find me, um, is really online. My website, um, which is uh, one word, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net. And that's the website. And there's a lot there. You might become a little bit overwhelmed. Maybe I have too much stuff on my website. Um, but it's a good place to start. And there's a contact um, page and stuff like that you can look at. And, and I know your, um, your plan is to share the affiliate program with your um, audience. Yes. You know, and if I can just talk about that for a second, you know, I know a lot of your audience, you know, you're running businesses out there and maybe for some of you, this is more of a side hustle, you know, a side business. So you work full time and spend other time doing instructing and all that good stuff. This is the affiliate program is just a, a way that maybe you can supplement to some extent of your income. And basically what it is, is you just offer our, our materials, our online courses, which I think match up with firearms training quite well. And uh, for people that buy through your unique link, you get a, you get a pretty nice commission. It's 25%, you know, so I, I think that's pretty generous. And uh, it's just a good way to, um, uh, like I said, expand your business. The other thing is, is very soon we're going to be relaunching our on-site instructor program. And one of the things I've learned over the years is that some people just want that instructor in the classroom. They want somebody there. And what we've learned through trial and error is what churches really want more than anything else is to practice some of these drills. And so maybe they're running scenarios of an active shooter at the church or a medical situation at the church or a domestic at the church. And they need somebody to come in and run these drills for them and mm -hmm. kind of give them pointers. And I've noticed over the years that Firearms instructors are tend to be just a little bit more wired this way than the average person thinking about how to do things properly. Now, we're going to be providing a book um, that gives the scenarios to give you a good push in the right direction. But this affiliate program, for the people that join up for it, they're going to, um, for a fee, they'll go through our course. So they got a good basic knowledge of our materials. And then they'll be announced to our audience. I mean, my, my Facebook audience is uh, over 119,000 people. And uh, my email list is over 21,000 people. That's quite a few people to announce these instructors to. And, you know, mm -hmm. so get a little publicity for it. And, uh, you know, and I can't tell you if the phone will ring or not. But, you know, theoretically, <laughs> somebody in your state's going to call you at some point and ask you about that help. And then, yeah. of course, that feeds into your own business. You know, now you can talk to them about firearms qualification and tactical shooting training and, and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. And just uh, for our listeners out there, the affiliate program you do not find on Chris's website. You will only find that link in our uh, show notes. 
So if you're looking for it on his uh, website, um, save yourself the trouble and just go to show notes. I uh, have the link there and it'll take you right there to get additional information. And then don't forget about your uh, podcast. Also, Chris, the uh, Sheepdog Church Security Podcast um, comes out weekly. It's uh, also a short podcast similar to what we try here. It's uh, easy to listen to when you're on the road and uh, doing things. And uh, been, I've been listening to that for several years now and find it very uh very uh, informative. Yeah, we call it the church security roll call. And it's only about uh, nine to 10 minutes now. And um, I try to be clear, concise, and to the point. And, you know, definitely be able to squeeze it into your drive to work or from work or even on the treadmill. Mm hmm. Yep. Oh, and, uh, you know, you listen to it over breakfast if you're uh, quarantined at home or something else like that and not dri <laughs> driving to and from work. Uh, we're living in unique times. That's right. Yes, sure. yes. Well, Chris, uh, appreciate your time. And that's a wrap for this episode. And we have a few requests for our loyal listeners. If you have any ideas, questions, or feedback, please email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. Rate our podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And remember, share this episode on your Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Encourage others to listen, subscribe. Um, if you think it's great content, share it with your friends. Let them know what's what's going on so we can better instructors all over um, helping Americans to be more knowledgeable. Remember, we bring this podcast to support the industry of the Second Amendment. And most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Know how to help your church and stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.